that you need in your life. You know that Jesus, he will, he can, he's able, and he will do it in your life. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you on this day for this season, for this time, Lord, even for another opportunity, Lord, to hear from you. Lord, we ask that you allow us to have receptive hearts and minds and spirits, that we may be receptive to what you're trying to say to us in this moment. And Lord, we, we are challenging ourselves to not leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. We're certainly grateful for each of you who those who are watching us. Praise God for you. And we are celebrating, you see us in our pink on this morning where we are honoring and we are considered of those as it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Amen. And we want to be considered of those who have overcome, those who have survived. Amen. Even those who are no longer with us. Amen. We praise God. Amen. For them on today. And we put, keep them in prayer for those who have suffered tragedy as a result of this illness. And we continue to cover them with prayer as those who are struggling and even those who are surviving, who are on the other side of that. In lieu of that on this morning, considering, amen, our thought for this month and considering breast cancer awareness, I want to speak to you for a few moments from the thought, more than a survivor, more than a survivor. And the text takes me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll begin looking at verse 7. We will also be looking at Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, and Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. And the word of the Lord reads in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power of, uh, may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. Romans 8 and 37 reads like this. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If somebody just say that with me. Say all these things. In conquerors who loved us. We're going to talk to you for a few moments from the thought more than a survivor. When I began to look at this text, it, it, it reminded me, when I look particularly at verse 7, 8, and 9, it reminded me of a movie that I watched. I was a big fan of the Rush Hour series of movies, and for those of a certain age, that doesn't ring a bell. That was in the late 90s. And they had a character, one of the actors there was Jackie Chan, and Jackie Chan is famous, really, for doing all of his own stunts. He doesn't have a stunt double. He does all of his own stunts. But in Rush Hour 2 in particular, the second version of the, the second part of the series, there is a scene where he is in this large auditorium. It's really like it's being treated like a museum. And while he's there, there is all of this precious antique uh, hundreds of year old Chinese artwork and vases and, and pictures and, and all of these paintings and all kinds of things that, it, that the value just really cannot be estimated because of how old it is. 
And while he's there, he's trying to capture the person who had stolen the art, but at the same time, he's still trying to protect it. In a particular scene in the movie, you'll find him on the floor trying to hold up one of the ancient vases while the enemies are kicking him in the side. But he has to still protect the ancient value of that art, but at the same time, because he's doing that, because he has put himself in that position, he is being attacked by others. I just want to remind somebody today, because you have something precious inside of you, that's often the cause as to why you're being attacked. Sometimes you're wondering, well, well, they don't know me and I don't know them. And and why are they doing this to me? And why are they saying this behind my back? But often what has happened is you put yourself in a position to protect that which is precious in you, that which God has put in you and has left you vulnerable to others trying to attack and come after you. But what you must not do is you must not surrender the value that you have inside. No matter what they say to, about you, no matter how they come at you sideways, no matter how they cut their eyes at you, you must at all times protect the value of that which is inside, even if you come under attack. And we'll talk about how Jesus tells us about that in a few moments. The end, what I want you to understand about that, it says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The enemy doesn't want me. He wants me to let go of what's in me. He doesn't as much want me. My flesh is not valuable to the devil. He doesn't want me. He wants me to release or relinquish what God has put in me. He wants me to let it go. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have it on the inside of us. That's why the Bible says, not greater is you, but greater is he that is in you. We have something valuable on the inside. And because of that, we come under attack. We find ourselves in vulnerable position because we're trying to protect what God put in us. He wants you to let go of God, but survivors keep holding on. Somebody point at somebody and say, keep holding on. Keep holding on. And whatever it is that I, I'm in, I'm declaring by faith right now that I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out. I am coming out of this. I am coming out of this. Oh, I wish somebody would say with me, say, I am coming out of this. This trial is just incidental to his purpose. See, the devil didn't want Job's cattle. He didn't want Job's sheep. He didn't really want Job's children. What was, what was the devil's purpose? He said, if I take enough away from him, he'll curse God and die. The devil didn't want his cattle. He didn't want his sheep. He wanted him to relinquish and release the relationship and faith that he had in God on the inside. Devil don't want your car. Devil doesn't want your job. Devil doesn't want your house. The devil wants you to relinquish that faith that you have in God on the inside. In fact, if you release that, he'll let you have the car. Mm. That's going to explain some things in your mind if you, if you, if you walk with me. That, he don't mind you having the car if, if, he ha- if you've let go of God. He, he doesn't mind you having the house if he don't have faith on the inside. The devil wants you to release the good thing that God has put in you. 
that's what he wants. He doesn't really want me, and he certainly doesn't want my stuff. He wants me to release the good thing that God has placed in me. The Bible also here says troubled on every side. When I think of every side, I, I think of being surrounded. When I began to think of being surrounded, I couldn't help but think of Elisha and his little servant when they were surrounded by the Syrian army. They were troubled on every side. And a lot of times we say we're troubled on every side, but we, we just feel that way in certain circumstances. But when he says they were surrounded, they were troubled on every side, that means there seemed to be no manner or means of escape. But when he gets to the point where he says we're troubled on every side and the young boy becomes afraid, God ministers to Elisha and tells the little boy, he says, Lord, open his eyes. When he got stressed, the, the, Elijah told the servant to, to open it. The Lord opened his eyes. Because even though we seem surrounded and even though it seems like we have trouble on every side and it seems like a point where we should get distressed, sometimes we just need our eyes to be open. Somebody say, Lord, open my eyes. He was, uh, Elisha was pressed, but he was not distressed. He was pressed on every side, but yet he did not find himself in distress because he could see something that the little boy could not see. And when he said, open his eyes, the boy, let's be clear here. The boy was able to see the army of the Lord all in the mountains surrounding the army that was coming against them. And Elisha said something there, and it's one of, the, one of the most profound scriptures in the Bible that you'll find there. He said, there are more with us than there be with them. And, and sometimes you just might need to remind yourself when you, when you look in the mirror, you're counting up all your troubles. I, I want you to remind yourself that there are more with me. Uh, there's more with me. There are more. The greater that is with me than comes against me. So it seems, see, see, so what, what happened here, and I, I want you to get this, what happened in this situation is something happened on the inside while nothing really occurred on the outside. If you think about it, the army of the Lord was already there. It was already in the mountains. The only difference was the boy didn't see it. He didn't see how close his deliverance was. And therefore, he became to get a little anxious because he did not see his deliverance. The only thing that changed in that part of the story is in one moment, the boy didn't see it. And in another, he did. So he began to gather peace based on what he saw. And I came to tell somebody that I don't want you to lose your peace just because you don't see it. Don't, don't, don't lose your peace just because you don't see it. Because at all times, whether you see it or not, there are greater that are with us than are against us, even if we don't see it. And I know we, we get in those, Dad used to preach a sermon talking about see nothing days. We get in situations where, where we don't see it. We, we, we don't see it and therefore we lose heart. We don't see it and therefore we lose peace. But I came to remind you that even when you don't see it, don't lose heart. Don't relinquish your peace. Don't compromise that which God has put in you because at all times, somebody say at all times. At all times, whether you see it or whether you don't, there is greater that are with us. Greater that are with us than be against us. All that happened in this story is this boy's mind changed. 
<laughs> the army didn't come after Elijah told him to open his eyes. The army was already there. The only thing that happened was his mind changed. And I came to tell somebody, there is power in living with a changed mind. Uh, when you get enough of something, there's power in living with a changed Oh, when you have a changed mind, that a changed mind will make you prioritize things a little bit differently. Uh, let, let me talk to a few people. You, you didn't get fired. You didn't get, get laid off, but you quit your job. Mm-hmm. Let me talk to somebody right there. You don't have to raise your hand, but you got to a point where you, it, it was up to here, and you had had enough. You, you said that, that I, I know I'm going to have less money when I quit this job, but baby, I'll take less money because I'm not going to keep putting up with what I wish I had a few folks. <laughs> I'm not going to keep up putting up with what I'm dealing with right now. Some of you were in relationships like that. And some of you said, like Tyler Perry, I can be bad all by myself. Because you had gotten to a point in, in a situation, I, I'd rather be alone than to deal with what I'm dealing with. And when you get to that point where you've changed your mind, you'll begin to reorder your priorities. You'll begin to reorder how things work in your life. That's, I, believe that there, I believe some saint had come to the end of their rope and they had lost a few things. And then they decided in their mind, i, I got to change mine. All that I need is in Jesus. He satisfies joy. He supplies life would be worthless without him. But somebody say all things. All things in Jesus. I find Paul had been there. Paul understood. Paul said, he said, everything that I've obtained and all that I know, I I, I throw it away just to know you, Lord. He said, all the things that I know and all the things that I've obtained, he said, I count them all but dumb for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I came to tell somebody it's power. There's power in living with a changed mind. This is also here in the text that we're perplexed. The definition of perplexed was, or, or, or some of the synonyms were confused and uncertain. Confused and uncertain. That, that means that there is some uncertainty in your mind. And why might there be uncertainty spiritually? That's, when, that's things that cause uncertainty. It's when you, what you see does not match up with what you've heard. When what you see does not match up with what you anticipate or what you expect. Oh, some of you, you know what it's like. You were expecting one thing. Have you ever gotten that you ordered something from somewhere and they sent you the wrong item? That's what I'm talking about, perplexed. You're opening the box and you're looking at it and you're like, what? What is this? I forgot the item I got from Amazon, but I'd ordered one thing and it was a totally different thing. And then on my app, it said it was delivered. I'm like, no, baby, it wasn't. Because what I got does not resemble, it's not even the same category as that which I ordered. And that's how sometimes we are in life. We feel perplexed because what we receive does not match up with what we expect. What we are experiencing and what we're seeing on a daily basis does not match up with what God told us that we're going to have. And somewhere there's some real folks in here who can say amen to this. But, but you prayed for one thing, but you, it seems like you received another thing. And you're a little perplexed because what you prayed for does not match up with what you have received. And it causes you to be a little perplexed. But the scripture says we are perplexed but not in despair. 
which means we're perplexed. Maybe I'm uncertain and maybe I don't understand, but I don't lose hope. Uh, so, so that means God's not going to throw me away when I don't understand as long as I don't lose hope. God, God's not going to be frustrated with me when I don't understand as long as I don't lose hope because I don't lose faith in him. Perplexed is, is on the other side of he may not come when you want him. That's perplexed because I, I thought he would arrive at this moment. And then I thought he'd arrive at this moment. And I thought I saw for certain he'd come through by this dead land. And, and my, my, my pink notices are turning into red notices. And, and, and I thought God would arrive by now. So I am perplexed. But even though I'm perplexed, I don't lose hope. I don't lose hope. Because God has seen me through too much for me to believe that he is going to leave me where I am. So I have not lost hope. I don't understand. I'm confused, but I haven't lost hope. I want some real people to say that with me. I say, I don't understand. I may be confused, but I haven't lost hope. I want to speak to somebody right there. You, you, you don't understand. I, I don't see it. These things are not adding up. I prayed so hard and I, and I fasted for so long, but yet when my results don't seem to be what I prayed for. But I, you know what? I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on trusting. I, I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep leaning on God's everlasting arms because I believe at some point, even though I don't see it, that God is going to deliver me. From where I am. I'm perplexed, but I have not lost hope. But the opposite of perplexed is certain. That means you are 100% certain. I, I, I know that I know is a, is, a, is a signal of being certain. People are certain who, who people who are certain don't say I wish or I hope, but they say, I know. I know prayer changes things. I know the Lord will make a way somehow. Somebody, one, one preacher, my wife likes, he says, I, I know he's all right. I know he's all right. That, 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 is a, a, that is a amount of certainty that you have because even though there is a mis, has been misunderstanding, I'm still certain that God is going to come through. But it says also not only perplexed, we talked about being troubled and perplexed, but it also says persecuted. And I'm about finished here. My God, my God. You are being wronged because of your purpose. You're being wronged because of your purpose. So that means what I'm going through is attached to my purpose. What I'm going through is attached to my purpose. They, they're, they're persecuting me because of what I believe. They're, I'm being persecuted because of my standing up for God. I'm being persecuted because I am a Christian. I'm being persecuted and taxed by the devil because of what is inside of me. So if I'm being attacked for my purpose, then God saw that attack coming. God saw it coming. And God is making a way even when I don't see it. God will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able. God has weighed that thing. And even though it is difficult, it's not too heavy. It's difficult, but it's not too much. 
And I want you to grasp that because that gives somebody a little bit of peace because I praise God that I have challenges in my life that I'm going through right now, and they're difficult, but they're not too much. I praise God that he has not put more on me than I am capable of bearing. He's not giving me more than I can handle. And since I know that, whatever tomorrow may hold is all right because it won't be too much. It won't be too much. Point at somebody and say, your tomorrow won't be too much. Stop being worried about Monday. We're upset about Monday. We're frustrated about Monday. Ah, it's Monday. Stop saying that. Just say it's another day that the Lord has blessed me. It's another day that the Lord has kept me. And whatever Monday might hold, it's not too much because God has already weighed it in advance. He knows what I can handle. He knows what I can bear. I am prepared for tomorrow. I'm prepared. Somebody say, I'm prepared for Monday. Because God already knows what I can bear. He already knows what I can hold. And he won't allow me to be challenged above that I am able. You're being wronged because of your purpose. And that means it's really not about you. It's about your assignment. It's not about you. It's about your assignment. That's why the devil even gets victory when you quit. Because it's about your assignment. If he really wanted you, he'd keep attacking you after you quit. Uh, I want you to get it. He's not going to bother you after you quit because it's not about you. It's about your assignment. So if he can get you to stop, then you won't fulfill your assignment. If he can get you to quit, he can, you won't fulfill your assignment. That's why he don't care if you come to church. You can come to church discouraged and not fulfill your assignment. Because I can tell you right now, your assignment is not that pew you're sitting in. <laughs> that assignment is not that chair, that couch that you're sitting on at home. Wherever you might be watching this, that's not your assignment. So the devil doesn't care that you come to church and, and, and somebody's speaking word to you as long as you abandon your assignment. The only problem he has trouble with you coming to church is when the word starts challenging you to get back on your assignment. <laughs> Oh, come on now. If the word doesn't challenge you to get, a, get back on your assignment, the devil is fine. But as soon as something is said that challenges your mind, that causes you to quicken, that causes you to reverse course and get back on track with God, that's when the devil has a problem because he doesn't care where you sit. He doesn't care what church you go to. He doesn't care what pew you sit in. He just wants you to abandon your assignment. It's not attacking me. It's not personal. Somebody say it's not personal. It's not personal. It's not really about you. It's about your assignment. And sometimes this is what some people are like, well, I, I, get, I, I, I had so many things that I went through when I was so young. Sometimes it's because the devil can see what your assignment was before you figure it out. Uh, I, I, I didn't understand. I, I didn't get out. I was young, but I was facing all of these trials and all of these struggles. I didn't even know what I was going to do in life, but the devil already saw. He got a, a glimpse of what your purpose was going to be. So he said, I better take them off track before they get on. Oh, I wish you were here with me. Before they get some word in them, I, I better take them offline before they realize how powerful they are. And that's the devil's biggest trick. He tries to get you and distract you from how powerful you are tries to distract you from how much purpose God has invested. Somebody say invested. God, God has invested 
It's purpose in me. So, so the devil, he's trying to steal it. He's like that person who goes to all the little yard sales and knows what antiques are worth. And he's trying to get it for under its price and take it away for under its value because he sees the value even when that person does not. And that's often what the devil does to us. He tries to snatch things from us because he recognizes how valuable we are even when we do not. And let me challenge you in how you treat your neighbor. If you have trouble seeing your own value, what puts you in position to evaluate someone else's value? Ah, you got to watch who you're talking to. It took you 40 years to figure out your own value. And you putting your mouth on somebody else because you don't know their value. That's why we have to work out our own soul salvation with fear and trembling, baby. My taking care of myself is a 24-7 proposition. Keep your mouths off your other people because you never know how valuable they are. And if you know how valuable you are, there are certain things you don't do and certain things you don't say. Because I don't want something I say to compromise my value. I don't want something I say to compromise my assignment because the person you might be talking about, get this, they might be your assignment. That person at work that you don't like might be your assignment. That person who talks behind your back and you come in mad and don't want to speak to them every day. You never know. Be careful. The Bible says you may be entertaining angels unaware. I'll tell you this. You may be entertaining your purpose unaware, and that person might just be your assignment. Be careful. You may literally be talking to the person who is your assignment. Persecute, persecute. I'm wrong because of what I'm going through. But, but when I'm going through something, Jesus already gave me some word about that. He said, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and, and shall persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you for my sake falsely. He said, rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward for being persecuted on purpose because what is being said is not about me. What's being said is about my assignment. I told you the opposite of being persecuted is being comforted. So let me comfort you with a few scriptures in the word. Nehemiah 8 and 10 says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalm 27 and 1 says, the Lord is your light and your salvation. Psalm 30 and 5 says, your weeping may endure for the night, but, but joy is coming in the morning. Can I comfort you with the word? Isaiah 26 and 3 says, I will keep you in perfect peace. Oh, shut up, Osiah. In perfect peace. Whose mind you stay Oh, me, that means despite the circumstances, despite what I see, despite what I've been going through, despite everything that is surrounding me, God has the ability to keep my mind. Somebody say, Lord, keep my mind. He can keep my mind in perfect, in perfect peace. Somebody say perfect peace. Oh, I mean, somebody who really wants it in your heart, in your mind, say, God, keep me in perfect peace. Perfect peace. The final thing that it says here is that we've been cast down. Proverbs 24 and 16 says the just man falls seven times and gets back up again. I, I, I may fall, but my purpose won't let me quit. I want you to get that in your spirit. I, I may fall. I, you may have caught me in a down moment. 
but, but, but don't worry. I may take it. I'm getting older. I may, it may longer to get And then it took a few years ago, but baby, don't worry. I'm going to still get back up because my purpose won't let me quit. purpose. I was in the hospital bed, but I, I, I was alive, so that means as long as I'm breathing, I, I wish you were in here with me, I, I still have purpose, so I cannot quit. Somebody say it with me. Say, I still have purpose, so I cannot quit. Point at somebody else and say, you still have purpose, so you cannot quit. The reason I, and I might would stop. But I asked the question regarding this sermon. One of the sermons, the questions I asked regarding this sermon was who taught you how to quit? Who taught you how to quit? But when I began to look at the word of the Lord, I realized that Jesus never showed me how to quit. I kept looking at the word and I, I was looking for an example when it told me to quit. But every time I tried to run into an example, I kept running into words that told me to keep on going. In fact, he, t he told me, he said, if you ask anything in my name, he said, I will do it. He told me whatsoever you bind on earth. <laughs> will be bound in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven somebody say he told me he told me he said if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed you can speak to yonder the mountain be thou removed and be cast in the sea he said ye shall have what you ask and he said and nothing somebody say nothing and nothing shall be impossible to you Somebody say he told me even when I don't know what to pray for, he told me the spirit itself will make intercession for me. Somebody say he told me, he told me even when you can't imagine it, even when you can't conjure it in your own mind, it said now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. He told me, he told me if you're in lack, he said the earth is the Lord and the full thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. He told me when I'm in sadness, he said he shall wipe all of their tears away. Somebody say, he told me. He said, he said I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of good and not, and not evil to bring you a future and a hope. Somebody say, he told me. He said, I told me. I wish above all things that thou may it's prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Somebody put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 God, he told me. He told me. He told me. So many things in his word came to remind me of how valuable I am and came to remind me that I cannot quit where I am right now. I'm more than a survivor. Romans 8 and 37 says, nay, in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He also told me in Romans 8, and I love it, 
Love what he says there in the word. If God be for us, if God be for us, if God be for us, who can be against us? God has given me too much power, too much purpose, and too much authority for me to give up my position. It says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that I'll be able to stand. God has given you all the equipment and he's made it available to you so that you don't have to abandon your position. Say, but you can stand right where you are. I'm giving you the strength. I'm giving you the equipment. I'm giving you the power to stand. So the answer to the question, if you're asking who told me to quit, who taught me to quit? Well, I know it wasn't God. It wasn't my Lord and Savior. Never taught me to quit, but I recognize in everything that I'm going through, it has a purpose. It has a purpose. And Job said, and I want you to understand, Job was perplexed. I want you to get this because we often say this statement, but we don't talk about Job's state of mind. He says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job was perplexed when he said that. He was perplexed because he did not understand what was happening. He didn't have, he didn't, he wasn't privy to that conversation that God and the devil had had. He didn't know about that conversation. All he knew is that he was under attack and his body was being attacked with boils. His children were gone and all of his property was lost. But even in the midst of being perplexed, you know what he didn't do? He didn't give up hope. I'm perplexed. Lord, I don't understand. What, what I've prayed for and what I've worked for doesn't seem to be coming to pass. But Lord, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. All my appointed time, I will wait until my change comes. We have to have that type of faith that even when I don't understand, it's okay to be uncertain. It's okay not to see the, the picture clearly. The Bible says we see through a glass darkly. We don't always understand, but one of the songs, the, the hymns of this church, but we'll understand it better. We'll understand it better by and by. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for reminding us that even on assignment, Lord, we're protecting the value of that which you have put in us, which sometimes puts us in vulnerable positions that we may be subject to the attacks around us. Lord, we ask that you continue to give us strength that even when we don't understand, when we're perplexed, that we do not lose hope. Lord, that we know that we're more than conquerors. We're more than survivors through you who loved us. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And Lord, let us always be mindful, no matter how surrounded we may feel, the greater are they that are with us than those that be against us. And we pray all these things in our son Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we praise God for you. And we pray that you live by faith and great expectation until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. 
If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.